Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. High blood pressure, treated for life. Welcome. I'm Tammy Grimes. In the long run, men hit only what they aim at. So said Mr. Henry David Thoreau. Which is proof that, just as a shoemaker should stick to his last, a philosopher should confine himself to his philosophy. A pacifist, Mr. Thoreau knew very little about aiming and hitting. And the fact that many people do hit something, or someone, other than what they aim at, is what gives the police so much trouble, as we are about to discover. Mrs. Soames, do you know what your husband is doing? Yes. You're aware that it's illegal. It's already involved him in murder. Perhaps. For his sake and for yours, you must talk to me. I know, Lieutenant, but I can't. However he may have broken the law, he's still my husband. I won't betray him. A pity he doesn't feel that way about you. Because tomorrow or the next day, he'll have to kill you. for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Kim Hunter. I'll be back shortly with Act One. According to the Book of Numbers, Joshua sent men to spy out the land, from which we may gather that spying is one of the world's oldest professions. Whether or not it's an honorable one depends, of course, on whose side you or they are on. Spying. Is there more of it today than there ever was? Or does it just seem that way? A man walks down the hallway of a run-down, decrepit, and dingy office building. He pauses at a door on which the number 418 and the legend, Lou Delta, private investigator, are just barely visible in faded characters. Hey! Hey, there you are. Come in. Get, come on in. Come on in. Sit down, huh? Well, did you bring it? Yes. All of it? All that you need. Hey, what's this all that I need? Now, we agreed on the amount. I've got more than enough for you. Look. In here. Wait, 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 wait. Now, look. You won't get away with that. Did you think you could get away with what you were trying to do? All you need and all you'll get is one ounce of lead. No. Uh, Please. Or maybe two. My name is Lucille Miller. I'm a lieutenant in the Homicide Division. At 9 p.m. on the 17th, my boss, Inspector Treadwell, sent me to investigate a murder in room 418 in the Crossett Building. Only one word can describe the Crossett Building and its immediate neighborhood. Sleazy. The tenants were mostly, more or less, 
dubious people who were engaged in a variety of so-called enterprises. The police routine was already in full swing. The photographers, the fingerprint people, the lab technicians were all there. And so was the corpse. The doctor had just finished the preliminary. Uh, he's got two bullet holes in his chest. Uh, either one could have done it. How long has he been dead, doctor? Well, maybe an hour. deserted. So was the neighborhood. His wife had found the body. He was supposed to take her out to dinner. She'd waited and waited. Finally, she'd come down to the office to get him. I decided she could use the night's rest. The following morning. You're Mrs. Delphat? Well, uh, no, no, not exactly. You say you're not Mrs. Delphat? Well, it, it all depends on how you look at it. I, I mean, we never made it legal. You know, you've been together five, six, seven years, whatever. You know, it becomes legal anyhow. Look, I, I, know, I, I know I'm talking on and on. It's just because I feel so nervous, you know? I can understand. It was a sudden shock. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't sudden. I mean, I've been expecting it every day since we got together 15 years ago. Why? Well, because he's the type of guy that went around asking for it. He was always getting in somebody's hair, stepping on somebody's toes, breathing down somebody's neck. Oh, uh, let me ask you. He, he was forever coming coming up with some shrewd scheme or plan, some brilliant idea, which never did him any good. Uh, who would have a motive to murder him? Motive? You need a motive to swat a fly, to step on a bug? What did you see when you walked into the office? I, uh, I see him laying on the floor and his blood. I, I just make it to the phone to call the cops before, before I pierce out. What case was he working on? I don't know. Would he have a record of it in the books? Books? Records? You're kidding? You keep things like that, you gotta pay taxes. But he was working on a case. We must have been. Why do you say so? Because I seen her. Her? Yeah, on this one afternoon. I come down to the office. I get there and she's just walking out the door. Who's that, I ask him. A client, he says. Can you be sure? What was her name? He wouldn't tell me. All he'd say was, baby, this is the big one. The one we've been waiting for. The gold mine. I'd heard all that before how many times. But he kept saying... This is a million bucks. A million bucks? And you don't know her name? Can you describe her? Mm, Good-looking, blonde. I'd say it was natural. 35-ish, dressed real smart. Did I find a record of her anywhere in his office? Well, like I said, he didn't keep many books. I went back to his office. She was right. What books he did have were sketchy, not very up-to-date. And it occurred to me the client must have paid him a fee. Therefore, he probably had to give her a receipt. There was a book of blank receipts in a desk drawer. Several had been torn off. But the imprint of the last one could be plainly seen on the face of the blank receipt that was now on top. Received of Mrs. Harold Soames. $300. I found her address. The lady who opened the door was blonde, about 35, attractive, and well-dressed. Mrs. Soames? Yes. I'm Lieutenant Miller of the Homicide Division. My identification. 
Oh. May I come in? Well, uh, yes. Uh, may I ask why you wish to see me? I want to talk to you about Lou Delphat. Lou Delphat? But you needn't pretend to think. Mrs. Soames, you knew him well enough. You have no right to come bursting in my home. Mrs. Soames, we are dealing with murder. Murder? Well, that shouldn't come as a surprise either. I see the newspaper on your coffee table. I'm sure you've read about it. He promised me. Mr. Delphat promised me that it would be kept confidential. But he's dead, so all commitments are canceled. But he assured me that no one would ever know. And now here are the police. What am I going to do? I'm terrified. Why? If my husband were to walk in that door right now, how could I explain the presence of a a, a police detective? You would have to tell him the truth. The truth? That I'm here to ask questions because a private investigator who was working for you has just been murdered. The truth? The truth is... I had hired Lou Delphat to spy. I, I suppose that's the only word for it. To spy on my husband. Why? The usual reason. I'm convinced there's another woman. I wanted Delphat to gather the evidence. One thing I cannot and will not tolerate is adultery. How long had Mr. Delphat been working for you? About six weeks. And how much hard evidence had he delivered? Well, uh, yes. He said there was nothing I could do with just little bits and pieces. What else did he say? He said he was gathering it all together in one solid package. And soon I could expect to get the whole ball of wax. And how much money had you paid him? Almost $2,000. I see. I saw a great deal at that moment. First, Lou Delphat had been out to squeeze every nickel from Mrs. Soames. Then he probably had gone to Mr. Soames and was getting money from him to withhold the evidence. She may have caught on to Delphat and killed him. But would she kill him for $2,000? And would her husband kill Delphat just to suppress evidence of infidelity? Lieutenant. Yes? How do you know he was killed in connection with the work he was doing for me? Can't I be kept out? Why do I have to be dragged into it? I have no intention of bringing you into it deliberately, Mrs. Soames. But this is a murder investigation. And I must go wherever it leads me. Why did I ever get into this thing? She isn't the first woman in the world to ask that question. Nor will she be the last. Soames was manager of public relations for the Forrester Group, a big diversified corporation. He was a large, clean-shaven, comfortable-looking man of about 40. He had a good job and was evidently being paid good money. Please sit down, Lieutenant. Now, what can I do for you? Did you know a man named Lou Delphat? Did I know a man named Lou Delphat? <laughs> When you phrase your answer that way, Mr. Soles, it means you want some time to think it over. Providential. Uh, excuse me. Yes? Oh. Tell Mr. Kellogg I'll call him back. Uh, no, wait. Just put him on. Jack? I'll talk to you later. 
I'm in a meeting. They're fine. Now, where were we? Have you decided how you intend to answer my question, Mr. Soames? It occurs to me, Lieutenant, that you wouldn't be here unless you had grounds to assume that I had been acquainted with Mr. Delphat. You did know him, then? Lou Delphat. An obscure, hand-to-mouth, tawdry little hustler. Why would I know him? I'll tell you. It seems my wife had hired him to shadow me. How did you find out? If you know anything about Mr. Delphat's character, I'm sure you've already guessed. He told me so, himself. And just exactly what did he tell you? That my wife suspected I was having an affair with another woman. And if I were willing to pay him off, he would stall the whole business. And after a while, he would tell Taya, that's my wife's name, her suspicions were groundless. Well, weren't you at his mercy? Couldn't he continue to blackmail you? Thus you have a motive for the murder. I would. If Delphad could have found any evidence, but that would be impossible. There isn't any. I'm not having an affair with anybody. Therefore you didn't pay him anything? Why should I? And how many times did you see Mr. Delphat? It wasn't necessary for me to see him more than once. After I turned him down... What was there for us to talk about? And you never heard from him again? Never. And you know nothing else about him? Nothing. That one meeting between you, where did it take place? Oh, that was in the park, opposite the carousel. And I couldn't help but think, what an innocent place for such a... a sinister meeting. And how long ago was this? Oh, between four and five weeks ago, I would say. Uh, uh, thanks for your time, Mr. Soames. I'm sorry I can't help you, Lieutenant. But he can. He could solve the crime completely. All he has to do is confess. If his voice sounds familiar, it should. Didn't we hear it before at the very opening of our story? Wasn't he the visitor who delivered those two ounces of lead to poor Lou Delvac? Detective Lucille Miller is looking for a murderer. And she has just been talking to him. Life is filled with these little ironies. And so is the second act. The French have a system called... Actually, it exists everywhere. It means that among the wounded in time of war or other calamity, those who have the best of chance of recovery are treated first. What it also means is that there are certain others who are going to be left out in the cold. The same principles apply to police work. There are always more crimes than any big city department can handle. And so, choices have to be made by detectives. And since detectives are human beings, there will be considerable use of the intuitive, the subjective, or as it is more commonly known, the gut feeling. What did I have? The murder of a man who had been aptly described as a tawdry little hustler. Anyone could have killed him for any number of reasons. There were no leads, no clues, no motives. 
No tangible suspects. There's really nowhere to go. Still, he was a human being, and he deserved a little more of a run for his money. But what can I tell you, Lieutenant? Think back, Mrs. Delphat, over something you've already told me. How did you put it? He said he was on to something, the big one. The one we've been waiting for, the gold mine. She was worth a million bucks. Oh, yeah. Why did he say Mrs. Soames was worth a million bucks? Could there have been something to it? Well, how would I know? I mean, he just said, okay, you don't have to believe me. But this dame is going to lead us straight to a million dollars. Tell me the names of some of his friends. What? Friends. He had guys he drank with, that's all. Did he ever work with anyone? Use anyone? Oh, he had this picture of himself as a lone wolf. I don't know. Oh, you, you might talk to, uh, to Mouse Webber. Mouse Webber. A familiar name. A petty hanger-on. A runner of errands, a gopher, an occasional police informer. Not even used him myself once. And let it be known that I wanted to see him. Who? Delphine? I never heard of him. That's not what his wife says. Oh. Moo, Delphine! <laughs> I didn't hear you the first time. I got this trouble with my ears. Did you know what he was working on? Well, I mean, uh, how would I know? Mouse, I need this. And I'll check it up to your account. Hey! <laughs> I just remembered. It was the usual stuff for him. Collecting dirt for a divorce. And uh, one night it was the night he was killed. He comes in here and uh, we have the usual hello, how are you? I see he's flashing a roll. I says to my Lou, keep that stuff out of sight, my joint like this. And I remember. I'll never forget what he says to me. He says, hey, hey, what do you think? Lou Delphat can't handle himself. There's plenty more where this comes from. I got a dame. She thinks her old man's two-timing her. She gives me 200 a week plus expenses to shadow him and collect the evidence. I bet you must be in a hurry to deliver it, too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I got her on a string. And the beauty part is I got the husband on a string, too. And that was the end of it. We shot the breeze a while, and then he went over to his office where somebody knocked him off. Who do you think it could have been? And why? Somebody from this joint. Somebody must have seen her all the bills and followed them out. Did he tell you the name of the man he was tailing? The guy's name is Soames. Havel Soames. Uh-huh. And are you carrying on where Lou left off? Hey, what are you talking about, Lieutenant? Have you been following Harold Soames to find out who he's been seeing? So you can get him to pay you to keep your mouth shut? The Soames guy don't have a dame. He goes to some office building or, or maybe some restaurants where, where he, he meets with some other guys. Just men? I have never seen a dame. And that's what he does every night? That's all. I'm telling you, there's nothing there. Which is exactly what Inspector Treadwell said. There's nothing there, Lucille. Lou Delphat was flashing her all. But it wasn't the money Mrs. Soames paid him because he left that in the house. Where did he get it? He was blackmailing Harold Soames. How? Harold Soames wasn't having an affair. Why should he pay off? Unless he lied to me. And if he did? 
not a criminal offense. It's his own domestic affair. Oh, give me another couple of days on it. You got no place to go, Lucia. Why can't we just assume that some hoodlum killed him for the money? Makes sense, and it should satisfy everybody. It doesn't satisfy me. What can I do for you, Lieutenant? Perhaps I can do something for you, Mrs. Soames. What can you do for me? I can save you some money. How? I'm sure you've been approached by a man named Weber. Weber? Yes. But, uh, it's a confidential matter. I'm sure he's told you that he's an associate of the late Lou Delphat and is willing to continue shadowing your husband. How did you know? Mr. Weber, as did Mr. Delphat before him, is only leading you on. There is no evidence of any infidelity on the part of your husband. Who told you this? Mr. Weber himself. Oh. Now, Mrs. Soames, perhaps you can help me. Your husband knows that he's being watched. How, how do you know? He told me. He told you? How did you happen to speak to my husband in the first place? A private investigator who is swindling you is found murdered. You thus become a suspect. Me? Technically. And I had reason to believe that the murdered man might have been blackmailing your husband. Thus, Mr. Soames also became a suspect. You mean... Harold knows. He actually knows I've had him watched. Yes. He seemed quite amused by it. He would be. He's laughing at me. If he isn't having an affair, why should he allow you to believe he is? Because, obviously, he wants to make a fool of me. Now, is it possible he could be doing something else? His frequent absences had aroused your suspicions. You assumed it was another woman. Maybe he wants it that way. But... Why? To prevent you from finding out the nature of his real activity. What sort of criminal activity could he be mixed up in? I saw myself getting nowhere. Except perhaps bogged down in a messy marital quarrel. I got a call to report to Inspector Treadwell. I expected him to give me another assignment. I wasn't going to fight him. You may have a development in the Delphat case. Something that came in this morning. A hit and run. The victim was Mrs. June Delphat. June Delphat? She was killed. Poor woman. She was really cut up by his death. I guess she didn't know where she was going. You think it's an accident? You do have hit and run accidents. Yeah, but this time, I'm not satisfied. First him, now her. Why? Are you saying it was not an accident? What I'm saying is maybe you better put a couple of more days on it. Well, what have we got? According to eyewitnesses, a big blue sedan. License plate? Nobody could get the number. Looked like an in-state tag. June Delphine. If she was killed deliberately, why? Somebody might have been afraid she knew too much. About what? I'm sure she hadn't been holding out on me. She didn't seem to know anything at all. Why couldn't this be exactly what it looked like? Just an unfortunate hit and run. There I was, back on the case. And trying as usual to make bricks without straw. 
Hey, Lieutenant, you know you went and ruined it for me with the Psalms, Dame? Be happy you're not in jail, Mouse. You gonna tip off her old man, too? Not for a while. Have you made your pitch to him yet? Who? Me? Mouse. Well. Is he coming across? Uh. Uh-huh, he is. Why? He's not having an affair. You've got nothing on him. Why is he paying you off? I don't know. Maybe he thinks I've got something on him. Yes, but what? If I knew that, I could really make myself a bundle. He goes out almost every night and meets these men. They all gather somewhere. How do they get there? They all come in their cars. Is one of those cars a big blue sedan? A big blue sedan? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Is that the one that belongs to Harold Soane? No, nah, no, nah, he drives a white sports car. Oh. Well, the next time all those folks get together, I want you to find out the license number of the blue sedan. Nothing happened for the next two days. Then on the third night, I got a telephone call. What's the matter, Mouse? I want you to come and get me. Come and get you? It would have killed me. Who? I don't have time to explain that now. I think I shook them off, but they could have followed me here. Who? Those guys are out to shoot me. Uh, where are you? Uh, I'm in a phone booth. Call night in Dawson. You, you stay right there, Mouse. We'll have a squad car pick you up in less than a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm doing what you told me. Now, I, I follow Harold Soames to this office building at 6th and Wavecrest, okay? Now, maybe half a dozen other guys pull up in their cars and go into the building. Now, one of them's the blue sedan. So I go over, and I start writing down a tag number. Suddenly, I hear a shot, a slug, and it whistles past my ear. I, I, I see a guy standing there shooting at me. Can you describe him? I didn't look at him long enough. I started to run, and he chases me. I duck into an alley. There's a fence. I managed to get over it. He has trouble. So I lose him. And then I call you. Hey, listen, you you, you got to put me in jail. All right, Mouse, all right. We'll put you away for a while. Uh, uh, thanks. Get me 90 days at Northern Ridge, will you? I got a lot of friends up there. Uh, did you get the plate number of the blue sedan? The plate number? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got it uh, right here somewhere. Here. Oh, yeah. U-3536. U-3536. According to the computer, U-3536, a blue townly sedan is owned by Jackson Kellogg of Sturdivant Crescent. Jackson Kellogg. Kellogg. Now, why is that name familiar? If it has a familiar ring for her, it should also sound like a bell to you. The name has come up before. And while you're thinking about it, we'll take a short intermission, and we shall meet here again in just a few moments for Act Three. Who... Who is Jack Kellogg? something about this particular case that seems to be hazardous to the health of many of the people concerned with it. First, Lou Delphat. Then, his wife. And then, someone tried to shoot Paul Mouse Webber. 
It started out as a simple swindle plus a little bit of modest blackmail, which proves, if proof were ever needed, that you can't really keep these things under control. You mean you know this Jackson Kellogg, Lucille? No, Inspector, but I've heard the name. In connection with what? Where? It... It was in Harold Soames' office. There's a tie-in between Soames and Kellogg? They know each other. I'd gone to see Soames. I asked him if he knew Lou Delphat. He wasn't quite sure how to feel the question, and just then his phone rang, and he, he said to his secretary, tell Mr. Kellogg I'll call him back. Jack Kellogg. Is it the same one? We picked up Mr. Kellogg. And also Mr. Kellogg's blue townly sedan. Mr. Kellogg was a bachelor, age 51, who was outraged to think that he could be accused of a hit-and-run killing. This is monstrous. I deny it. You have a cracked right headlamp, a dented right fender. Well, what does that prove? There are some threads and cloth fragments that had stuck to the bumper. They came from the dress that June Delphat was wearing. Well, Mr. Kellogg? I refuse to say a word without advice of counsel. He had the right to call a lawyer. And the lawyer got him a hearing before a judge. And bail was set. He was released pending his trial date. We had him tied in with Harold Soames. But what were these fellows doing? We had a ton of suspicion, but not a single ounce of solid evidence. I'm sorry to bother you again, Mrs. Soames. That's quite all right, Lieutenant. Do you know a Jackson Kellogg? Yes, I know him, I'm sorry to say. Sorry? I think he's responsible for the, uh... What can I call it? The deterioration of my marriage. In what way? A few years ago, he wanted Harold to go into business with him. Computers. Harold would have to put up the money. I have an inheritance from my grandmother. Harold wanted to use it. I turned him down. Why? I never trusted Jack Kellogg. And Harold didn't go into business with him? He did. Where did he get the money? Jack loaned it to him. The company went bankrupt. Did Harold ever pay back Jack Kellogg? I don't know. Certainly not with my money. But, uh, that's when the strain started between us. Oh, and how were things before that? We were very much in love. Mrs. Soames, what is your husband up to? I beg your pardon. I don't know what the problem is, but I can tell you that your husband is in some kind of serious trouble. He's keeping dangerous company. Dangerous? You know it's dangerous. I'm sure you've discovered the truth by this time. Have you confronted him with it? I don't know what you're talking about. You could be in danger yourself if someone, and I don't know who that someone is, has any reason to believe that you know too much. Mrs. Soames, you're not helping your husband by keeping silent. I... I can't tell you anything. You mean you won't? I can't. Well, just think about what I've said. And consider that only the police can help you now. They were up to something. Soames and Kellogg and company. But what? I decided to see if I could shake Kellogg up a bit. Why do you want to see me, Lieutenant? I thought we might be able to help each other, Mr. Kellogg. Yes? In what way? You could help me solve several homicides. 
And I could get you off as lightly as possible. Uh, did you say homicide? Lieutenant, I'm only being accused of leaving the scene of an accident. Look, we can't communicate unless we agree on basic definitions. You say you left the scene of an accident. I say you left the scene of a homicide that you yourself committed. You can't prove that. I notice you didn't deny it. How can I dignify such a vicious lie with a denial? Let me tell you a little story. There was a man named Delphi. Uh, Lieutenant, I am not compelled to put up with your presence here. To continue... This Delphat was a sleazy little hustler. I don't have to describe him. You know all about him. I never heard the name in my life. Moving along, Delphat was hired by a jealous wife, and you know her, Mrs. Taya Soames, to get the evidence on the other woman. She thought her husband was having an affair. Well, Delphat quickly discovered that Harold Soames was not involved with a woman, but with something far more serious. Here was a blackmail opportunity beyond Delphat's most extravagant dreams of avarice. And he just blundered into it. So you tell me, what is it? What is what? Let's go through the heavies. Drugs, smuggling, espionage. Oh, how would I know? You're part of it, Mr. Kellogg. It seems to me you're doing a great deal of theorizing and guessing. But I'm right. And it wasn't enough to get rid of Delphat. There was the possibility that he might have talked to his wife. So to be on the safe side, you arranged to kill her also. And then we have Mouse Weber. You are mentioning all of these names. I never heard of these people. Mouse approaches Harold Soames. The same business. Blackmail. Mouse, of course, thinks it's simple adultery. Soames stalls Mouse until you folks decide what to do about it. I don't know who tried to shoot, Mouse. I'm sure Soames killed Lou Delphat, and you ran down Delphat's wife. You can't prove anything. Perhaps not. But I can destroy you, Mr. Kellogg. Oh? How? You're part of an organization. You must be. Oh, really? Truly. We'll keep you under constant surveillance. Uh, you won't find anything. Yes, but your organization will be unable to use you. They won't dare take a chance, because you're obviously under suspicion. How long can you last under those conditions? <laughs> I find this a most amusing story, Lieutenant. But a serious one. In your type of activity, no one is as vulnerable as the person who is no longer useful. Well, I thought we'd have this little exploratory discussion. I'll leave my card, just in case. You begin to worry and decide to call me. You began to worry sooner than I thought. That night, I'd just gone home when the telephone rang. Hello? Lieutenant Miller. Ah, uh, yes? Uh, this is... Jackson Kellogg. Yes, Mr. Kellogg. I, uh, I wonder if you and I, unofficially, of course, off the record, uh, might have another exploratory discussion. I'm available. Uh, this would have to be conducted with a, uh, a great deal of discretion. Of course. Now, it couldn't be at my home, nor at police headquarters. I understand. There is a rest area just past exit 57 on the interstate in northbound. Yes, I know it. Now, I can be there in an hour. Oh, uh, incidentally, 
I wasn't driving my car that day. It was Harold Soames. I called Inspector Treadwell. The rule in our department is that nobody goes anywhere without a backup. Inspector Treadwell picked me up, and we headed for the meeting place. It was a very bright night with a full moon. Just up ahead was the big blue sedan. Uh, Inspector, I'd better talk to him alone. The sight of another cop might be too much for him. Mr. Kellogg? I'm here, Mr. Kellogg. Inspector! Inspector Treadwell! Look! Someone else got here first. There was a small, dark hole on the side of his forehead with just a tiny trickle of blood. His hands were gripping the steering wheel. He was staring straight ahead. It was hard to believe he was dead. And then suddenly, he slumped forward. And there could be no doubt. It had to be Soames. Why do you say that? Soames knew I was aware of a connection between himself and Kellogg. How did he know? How? When I get a tough one, I like to take it home and sleep on it. Of course, I can't fall asleep until I get the answer. And just before midnight, it came to me. The only way Soames could have known about my interest in Kellogg. I called Inspector Treadwell. What? I remembered exactly. I was talking to Mrs. Soames. It was just after June Delphat had been run down. I asked her if she knew a Jackson Kellogg. Well, she knows him. She doesn't like him. She holds him responsible for the deterioration of her marriage. Are you saying she might have killed Kellogg? No, but she's too determined to find out what her husband is up to. I'm afraid Taya Soames is next. Soames' wife? We have a case here where anyone who might know something is killed very quickly. What can we do? I'm going over to talk to her. At this hour? Good evening, Lieutenant. It's just about morning. Is your husband home? No. He's out, as usual. Did you wish to speak with him? Yes. It's about the murder a few hours ago of a friend of his, Jackson Kellogg. Kellogg murdered? Are you surprised? No. More important, do you know what your husband is doing? Yes. It's illegal, of course. Yes. It's already involved him in murder. Perhaps. For his sake and for yours, you should talk to me. I know, but I can't. Why not? Whatever he's done to me, however he may have broken the law, he's still my husband. I won't betray him. Well, a pity he doesn't feel that way about you. He's going to kill you. How can you say that? He's involved in an activity that must be kept secret. Any outsider who knows anything is quickly done away with. He wouldn't kill me. What's this talk of killing? Harold, you're home. You come calling late, Lieutenant. I came here, Mr. Soames, to ask about the murder of your friend Jack Kellogg. Jack? Murdered? You know it. How? You did it. You have nothing but guesses, Lieutenant. Taya. Taya. They have no evidence... All we must do is remain silent. Yes, Mrs. Soames, remain silent. 
while he continues to make a fool of you. She's lying. Am I lying? Mrs. Soames, this is the man who neglects you, who no longer has any sort of meaningful life with you. Taya, darling. Oh, when was the last time he called you darling? Think. When was the last time he took you in his arms? When was the last time he, he made you feel that the two of you were the whole world? When was the last time he was sweet and tender? When, Mrs. Soames, when? It's espionage. Taya, Taya. They're spies. He and Kellogg and five or six others. Don't move, Mrs. Soames. She's lying. You laughed at me, Harold. You thought you could leave me alone night after night and make a joke of it. Taya, if you don't say another word, we can get out of this. We? There's a group of them. They all have good jobs. They're all respectable. They've all sold their souls. They gather information, all kinds of information, political, social, economic, industrial. They evaluate it and write it up and send it out to... For heaven's sake. I needed the money. You always had plenty. And you wouldn't let go 15 cents. I got into debt. I owed Kellogg 50,000. He said he could show me a quick way to make a fortune. That's how I got into it. But what did you need the money for? We had enough to live on. Maybe you and I have different ideas on how to live. What had begun for him is merely an attempt to make some money had acquired great importance. He became a key member of the organization. Actually, the hitman and executioner. Why do people do these things? I don't know. I'm a cop, not a psychiatrist. I only know we broke up an espionage ring just because a jealous wife hired a greedy private detective who tried in vain to work both sides of the street. And that's how so many of them are solved. By serendipity. That's also how America was discovered. After all, Columbus was looking for India. And if you're looking for me, you just sit right there. No serendipitous voyages are necessary. I shall return shortly. Our story is called The Blue Sedan because it once again emphasizes the values of what we were talking about before. Serendipity. No matter how carefully the police may search and deduce and analyze clues, the fact is our case was broken by a chance onlooker who happened to witness a hit-and-run occurrence and remark on the fact. 